are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into this week's final episode of Locked On Saints, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ross Jackson here at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A on Twitter, editor over at CanalStreetChronicles.com, your host covering your New Orleans Saints every single Monday through Friday. I'm actually recording today's episode in the midst of getting ready to leave town, so it's going to be a quick one, but don't worry, we'll be back to normal on a Monday. So let's get into it. We're going to start off with three defensive players that you should watch at the combine this weekend i'll give you one defensive lineman one linebacker and one defensive back then i'm going to take your questions from the locked on saints facebook group as a part of our facebook friday session if you want to be a part of that check it out facebook.com slash group slash locked on saints and then we're going to close out the show with our free agency friday segment a free agent wide receiver that you should keep on your radar we got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of locked on saints your team every day This weekend, you're going to see a lot of defensive players out for the NFL Combine, but which one should you keep your eye on for your New Orleans Saints? That's our New Orleans Saints lead story of the day today with Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints. So we're going to start off with a defensive lineman here, interior defensive lineman, Laurel Murchison. Now, Laurel Murchison is not a guy that's going to be, you're going to see on the top of boards looking at a, you know, day one, early day two pick. He's going to be a little bit more of a depth guy that you're going to see, or maybe a little bit more of a late round guy. But one of the reasons why you should keep him in mind is that the Saints met with him at the Senior Bowl, first of all. And we know that the Senior Bowl is a pretty good indication for players that the Saints are really, really considering, as they tend to often draft guys that they have met with during that January event. But one of the other reasons to really look into Laurel Murchison here, the six foot four, 290 pound defensive tackle, is that he went to NC State, uh, North Carolina State, who's part of the Wolfpack there. And that is where Saints defensive line coach Brian Nielsen was essentially hired from, was poached from uh, for the New Orleans Saints. So that's a good reason to keep this guy in mind. They have some similar ties. He's connected to the coaching staff in that way. And we've seen in the past that players that get connected with the coaching staff. Uh, Like, for instance, let's talk about Curtis Johnson and CJ Gardner-Johnson, who both had uh, worked together out of high school before uh, CJ even went into college. And then that connection stayed true. And then CJ ends up being drafted by the Saints. Of course, he was available later than expected. But those connections between player and coach are very important around this time of the year. So Laurel Murchison is definitely one to keep an eye out on uh, because he has a lot of those ties. And again, he met with this Saints at the Senior Bowl. So check him out and watch him all throughout. A couple of the drills that you're going to see him in that are going to be of value, particularly the broad jump, and then any type of those mobility drills that kind of let you know, is he an athletic defensive tackle or is he somebody that's going to be a plug up the middle kind of guy? Either way, the Saints could use some depth on the interior defensive line and Murchison could be a good candidate for a late, maybe a day three, late day two selection. Now looking up at the next level, going to linebacker, you probably already know I'm going to say Akeem Davis Gaither out of Apple. Appalachian State. The dude's incredible, uh, super fast, super quick, very athletic, and just has an absolute nose for the football. He's not going to get you a ton of takeaways. He's not much of a coverage guy, but he's going to find the ball. He's going to find the ball. He's going to get to the ball, and he's going to take down a ball carrier. So he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. His athletic testing should 
should be pretty impressive here at the Combine. He looked great at the Senior Bowl. The Saints, I don't have a record of them meeting with him, but there's a lot of reports, particularly like John Sigler over at Saints Wire, really has a lot of info that says that this is a guy that the Saints might be interested in. So definitely keep an eye out on Akeem Davis-Gaither. You'll see him at the Combine as well. And then finally, looking over at the defensive backs, my vote is for Amik Robertson, and that shouldn't surprise you. He's somebody that I've been a fan of uh, for quite a while. He's out of La Tech, so he's a homegrown prospect. He's from New Orleans, so he has that tie, and the Saints get to watch him pretty closely. The only thing is that he doesn't really fit the physical profile that the Saints usually look for in a cornerback. He's only five foot eight, so he's a really good nickel option, but he's not going to be that big, tall secondary player that the Saints tend to go for. They tend to look for six foot and up, but still, Amik Robinson, Robertson, excuse me, somebody to definitely watch out for and somebody to watch to see how he performs at the combine because regardless of his height this guy is an absolute ball hawk and one of the things as Deuce Windham and I talked about last week that the Saints haven't been able to do on the defensive side of the ball as great as they've been against the run as great as they've been sometimes with forcing fumbles and creating turnovers that way they don't get interceptions they don't get a lot of takeaways in that fashion Amik Robertson is an absolute ball hawk and him and Marcus Williams would be a really really potent combination in your secondary it would also allow you to get somebody that has that secondary, that takeaway ability in the nickel slot, especially if Von Bell ends up leaving in free agency, you can move CJ Gardner Johnson there and you're still in really, really good shape amongst what you do with the rest of your your corners there, especially if you end up sticking with Janoris Jenkins and having him operate opposite uh, Marshawn Lattimore. So Amik Robertson, somebody to watch out for, for the defensive backs. And that's going to give you three defensive players to keep an eye out on throughout this weekend. Laurel Murchison, who's going to be working with the defensive lineman, Akeem Davis, Gaither, who's going to be working with the linebackers, and then Amik Robertson with the defensive backs. All right, y'all, coming up next, we're going to take your questions from the Locked on Saints Facebook group. Again, you can join that at facebook.com slash groups slash Locked on Saints. If you want to be a part of that, do live Q&As as well as get your questions here on the Locked on Saints podcast. Got your questions coming up as well as one free agent wide receiver to really keep your eye out on in free agency just a couple of weeks away. Got that coming up for you right here on Locked on Saints, your team every day. All right, family, want to take your questions from the Locked on Saints Facebook group. Again, that's facebook.com slash groups slash Locked on Saints. We're going to start off with Tomaz, who's coming through with what are your projections over Breeze's contract? So the Breeze contract thing is going to be a really, really interesting one. And Mickey Loomis did say that they're intent on getting this done before the new league year begins, which is a good idea, but also kind of depends on the timing as well with the new CBA. So the new CBA is really going to dictate a little bit of what they're able to do with this contract. But ideally, this is a one-year contract period. No voidable years, no team options, no kicking the can down the road. Just get all this money off the books. Give them the new money, which I expect is going to be around somewhere between like 25 and $28 million for the year. And then get rid of all of the extra money that's already on hitting you right now, or at least split it in half or, or something that makes it manageable for the future. The big thing is that you can't Give them a signing bonus for this year and then push half of that signing bonus plus the $15 million that are already sitting in dead cap over to the 2021 season. You can't keep putting you know, $30 million out there on a quarterback that's eventually not going to be on your roster. And so for me, it's all about getting this as a one-year contract and at least clearing as much of this money off the books as you can. And of course, if the new CBA isn't agreed upon, then you can't do the voidable years. You can't do the team option anyway. So that would actually work 
work in the favor of sort of muscling Kai Hartley and Mickey Loomis into actually clearing the books of Drew Brees after the 2020 season. But if the CBA is done, then expect to see voidable years and more kicking the can down the road. Uh, Austin comes through next. If you had to have, or if you got to have one all-time Saints great on this team right now to help make this Super Bowl run, who would it be and why? I have a lot of options here because I'm thinking like Ricky Jackson immediately jumps to uh, jumps to the mind. Pat Swilling as well. Any of those Dome Patrol guys tends to jump to the jump to the forefront. But I'm going to pick anybody. I'm going to go with. I'm going to go Marcus Colston. And I know Marcus Colston and and uh, and Michael Thomas are similar in their style. But right now, in terms of what Drew Brees has and what Drew Brees needs to produce, I think Marcus Colson would be a perfect fit in this offense. You'd have Marcus Colson at his prime. You'd have Michael Thomas entering his prime. Jared Cook doing really, really well and still kicking in his career. You've got Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray, just a lot of options for Drew Brees. Not only is these guys that can, you know, can can extend the field a little bit. We've seen Jared Cook get deep down the seam. We know Michael Thomas can get there as well. We saw, you know, Marcus Colson do that. But without having to force that, you also have all these guys that can just be meticulous and pick up yard after yards after yards and then continue to extend these drives. We can get back to a couple years ago, like with the Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara tandem, where we were seeing 20 play drives, 17 play drives, all this stuff, get that through the air. I'd love to have uh, them back on. A close second for me, if I wanted to stick with wide receiver but not go Marcus Colson, would be uh, Lance Moore to get another slot option in uh, back in New Orleans for Drew Brees. So that's kind of where I would go there. Uh, Brian Abel comes up next. Do you see any sleeper picks that the Saints could get with a late pick? They always seem to get guys like Marcus Colson, who I just mentioned, and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who I also mentioned earlier. Uh, also, do you see any undrafted free agents that could be productive that they pick up? So the undrafted free agent question is a good question, but I don't know uh, because we just don't really know who's going to be, who's not going to be drafted. There were some guys like Stanley Morgan Jr. that we entered undrafted free agency last year that I never thought would be undrafted, you know, so that one's a little tougher, but you can look at like the long snapper, Steve Wordle, who I mentioned out of Iowa State. He's somebody that could be undrafted and or very likely will be undrafted, but could be a good addition for the Saints as a you know, somebody to come in and compete for the long snapper position. You might have some fullbacks in the class that might be there as well as the Saints don't have a fullback on their roster right now with Zach Line having retired. CJ Ham out of Minnesota could be an option, but if not, they could go with an undrafted guy. But a late round guy that I really like, and it's really funny because I was listening to whole nine sports podcast yesterday and just sort of catching up because I, I was behind on a couple of episodes, but Dylan and Brandon actually talked about this guy as well, as well as me finding out that uh, they also have a crush, I guess I should say a, a draft crush on uh, Sewo Olani Lua. But the, one of the people that they brought up was actually Robert Hunt out of Louisiana. And the reason why I look at him is one of the things that Dylan actually mentioned about him is the fact that he's a big guy, but he can play basically anywhere on your offensive line, but center. He can play either guard position, he can play either tackle position. So if you're looking for another swing guard, swing tackle guy, like I had mentioned with uh, Hakeem Adeniji yesterday, this could be another late round get that could be really, really good for the Saints in Robert Hunt. So that's a name that I would keep an eye out on. But of course, his versatility, he's being projected as a later round guy, but his versatility could end up making him somebody that is more desirable in the day two range. All right, next up, we've got uh, Brian Baumeister who asks, from our rookie wide receiver class last year, who do you think may be able to jump into the active roster this season as a number two behind Mike Thomas? So 
The immediate answer for me here is actually Deontay Harris. I think Deontay Harris is somebody that can get and should get more involved in this offense. We know that he was used in sort of all those jet sweep motions and jet sweep plays and everything last year, but he can be a deep threat. He can be a guy that can stretch the field. If you can expand his route tree a little bit, even with his size, he can still be very effective opposite Michael Thomas. So that's one person I'd look at, but we all know that somebody that we're all kind of holding our breath to see what's going to happen with him this year is Emmanuel Butler. He looked fantastic through training camp, was subpar when it came to, or not subpar, but was, you know, on par. He was okay uh, when it came to... Uh, the preseason and his actual action on field at full speed, but we'll be really interested to see what it is that he's able to do this year. But for me, it's Deontay Harris, who I know was already on the active roster. You probably don't want to put your kick returner, your primary return specialist at risk, but he's somebody that I would love to see get a little bit more involved in the offense this year. Uh, Zach Smith, what player would the Saints move up for in in your opinion? For me, if they're going to move up for anybody or at any position, it's going to be probably... You look for a guy that's going to drop potentially. Uh, you know, there's all the talk about the Saints moving up for a Henry Ruggs and trying to get ahead of the Broncos at pick 15. He just ran a 4.2740. He's clearly looking as fantastic as advertised, uh, but he's more than just a speed guy. So, you know, the Saints did that la- uh, a couple years ago with Brandon Cooks. They moved up to 11 so that they could draft Brandon Cooks. You could see them do something like that again here with uh, a guy like Henry Ruggs. But otherwise, I could see them moving up for another offensive lineman. If somebody like a Makai Becton, who just had a very impressive weigh-in, by the way, a big, big, big guy, over 330-some-odd, over 320-some-odd pounds, but only a 17% body fat, so he is just all muscle. But uh, you know, if somebody like him were to fall and then get out of the top 10, I could see the Saints moving up for a future at left tackle, something like that. So there's some options out there in terms of where the Saints might move up, but I could see it being for offensive line or potentially for wide receivers as they did for Brandon Cooks those years ago. Joseph Zapata comes through with two questions. One, those gold Pro Bowl, jer- Pro Bowl jerseys looked amazing. Why don't the Saints have a gold jersey? I miss the mustard yellow jerseys personally. I know people hate them uh, or hate it on them, but I actually really like the mustard yellow jerseys. I thought that they were unique. I love to see the Saints go back to some gold jerseys, but I, I don't know when that's going to happen or if that can happen, but I hope eventually it does. And then the second question, uh, if the 17 game season happens, how would you book it if you could? Would it be a new rival, a playoff rematch or any? else. I'm going to be honest with you, and people probably aren't going to like this idea, but for me, I would make the 17th game, literally the 17th game, a home-and-home uh, with a another division rival. So you would get a third divisional game on your schedule and you would do it, you know, like if the Saints had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers up first, let's say, then they would travel to Raymond James Stadium this year and then, or I guess in 2021, and then in 2022, they would host the Bucks, And then in 2022, Three, they would go to Carolina in 2024. They would host Carolina and then just sort of rotate through it that way. The reason why I, I jumped to that idea is that first of all, it makes it easier and it makes it so that, that it makes it easier to schedule and make sure that everybody is rotating and, and getting the appropriate number of away and home games with that new thing. Cause you're gonna have to alternate away and home. You could do that easy with a home and home schedule with the division rivals. But the other thing that it does is that it makes it so that you don't have this overly favorable home schedule because you end 
end up getting another team that's under 500 in your building. Instead, you get a divisional matchup, which means it's going to mean something. You do it as the very last game of the year. It's a little bit less in terms of the preparation that you have to do because it is a familiar opponent. You know what you're walking into. You know that the games can always be kind of spicy no matter what. So it actually makes a 17th game mean something as well. So that's my weird, wacky, wild idea that no one's going to like and that no one's going to go with. But that would be my approach and my vote is to do a third divisional game. We always love when you have a third divisional game in the playoffs anyway. So let's see what happens if there's a potential of a, a third two, two, three game divisional matchups because you match up with another playoff team in the uh, in the postseason or you end up having a fourth divisional matchup. But in that case, you might end up resting for the that 17th game anyway. All that kind of stuff would be really interesting to me, and the storylines would be interesting, but I don't know. I don't know who's going to go for that one. Uh, and then Matthew comes through with one last question here. Why are we considering a 17th game for the playoff or for the season and also an additional playoff team when we talk about parity in the league? I think it's a great question, and Matthew kind of kind of gives you what I would have said too, is that it gives the first half of the teams an additional playoff game with a 17th uh, game there, which makes perfect sense. That's why I thought, well, what if it's a playoff game, but it's also a, I'm sorry, a home game, but it's also a divisional game that kind of counteracts the whole home field advantage thing. And then it also puts the number one seed at a greater advantage. Uh, and then so you end up having less, or a lot of uh, number one seeds end up getting there because of their divisional play. So uh, that's my only thing is, you know, if you do the divisional game as it's 17th game, then you're, and you're in a weak division, it gives you an advantage, <coughs> the AFC East. Uh, but, you know, if those things were to happen, then it, I guess it would be a little wonky. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough. It, it, it's a really, really, really tough one. But the NFL is trying to sell another game and trying to get better broadcasting deals. And a 17th game is going to help them do that. And it's up to the players to either vote yay or nay. At this point, that kind of lies within the players' hands at this point. If I were them, I'd vote no. And then say, hey, if you want a 17th game for uh, from us, in order to make you more money, that means we hold the leverage here. So what else are you going to give us to get it done? So that that's the way I would go about it. But that could end up causing some trouble in terms of the whole lockout portion of this agreement. But of course, if their owners want their 17th game, then they can't really they can't really force a lockout because they need that 17th game because they want the money. So the players hold the leverage here as far as I'm concerned. All right, y'all, coming up next, we're going to talk about one free agent wide receiver you should have your eyes out on. He's not an expensive guy. He's not a big guy, but he is a guy that you've heard me talk about before. Somebody that could come in and immediately serve for the Saints at that wide receiver position. Got that coming for you here on Locked on Saints, your team every day. All right, Huda Nation, wrapping up today's episode, our free agency Friday segment. First of all, thank you to everybody that dropped questions in the Facebook group, Locked on Saints Facebook group. Thank you very much for coming through for that for our Facebook Friday. But now we're jumping to the free agency Friday part of our episode. I'm going to give you a wide receiver to keep an eye out on uh, during this free agency, uh, during this free agency period that I really, really like. He fits the mold in terms of size, six foot two, 194 pounds. He's somebody that can play in the slot as well as on the outside, had a Pretty okay 2019, but is also only 25 years old. So it's a lot of time to continue to work with this guy and continue to build him and get him a year with Drew Brees. Be pretty, 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 uh, pretty fantastic, actually. I, I would love to see this get. And I originally thought for some reason that this guy was a restricted free agent, but he's not. He is just a straight up unrestricted free agent, open to negotiate with any team that he likes. Didn't have a super flashy 2019, but was very productive at the same time. So he's not going to demand a big bankroll. Drafted in 2016. 
16, Tajay Sharp, the wide receiver out of Tennessee with the Tennessee Titans. And I know you've heard me talk about him before, but I've never gotten a chance to actually sit down and really talk about why I like this guy. So the size, first of all, is fantastic. Uh, if you look back to his 2016 season, one of the things that you're going to notice that's going to jump off of the books immediately, 41 receptions, 522 yards. That's great. Only two touchdowns and only a 49.4% catch percentage targeted 83 times. More passes that went to him were not caught than those that were caught, right? One more, one more pass. And so when you look at that, that gives you some cause for concern. He followed that up in 2017 after missing 2000, I'm sorry, 2018 after missing the 2017 season with a 55.3% catch percentage. So he got better, but only caught 26 of his 47 passes. So that's another 21 incomplete passes that went his way. 316 yards and another two touchdowns that, that year. Now this year in 2019, with the quarterback change to Ryan Tannehill from Marcus Mariota. He all of a sudden caught 25 of his 35 passes. So it's only 10 incompletions that went his way and a 71.4% catch percentage. And his yards per uh, catch went up to 13.2 from a previous 12.2. So he started getting an extra yard per catch, which is good, despite the fact that he was actually targeted a little bit less, but he was still getting out there 329 yards on the season for touchdowns. That's the kind of production that you want to see full time in New Orleans. Now, Tajay Sharp didn't have a big presence for the uh, Tennessee Titans this year because they also had, you know, AJ Brown. They also had Corey Davis on that offense. They had Adam Humphreys in and out as well. So you really saw Tajay Sharp play more of a rotational role as the fourth wide receiver that would be in the slot, could also play outside every now and then things like that. Whereas if he was your primary slot receiver in the New Orleans offense, I think that everything that he's shown you so far would translate really, really well to Sean Payton, Drew Brees, and what this system demands from its wide receivers and what it's missed over the last couple of seasons. I think we can feel pretty confident in saying that the pure speed guy that Ted Ginn Jr. is is not something that necessarily needs to be injected into the Saints offense at this time. You have a Deontay Harris who can give you that when you need it. But in terms of the offense, you need somebody that's going to be able to chip away and be patient along with the way that this offense likes to operate. Tajay Sharp's absolutely that guy. He's not one of those guys that has incredible testing numbers out of his combine before he entered the league in 2016. A 455, a 40-yard dash, 11 bench, a 33 and a half inch vertical. So those are those are all numbers better than anything that I could ever do, but those are numbers that aren't going to be your, you know, big time primary, big deep threat type uh, of a guy. And that's okay when you're looking for somebody to help out in the slot. And I think that Tajay Sharp could absolutely be that person to produce in sort of that big slot role that the Saints haven't had for quite some time. We kept talking about it over the offseason. That was the idea of what Cameron Meredith was supposed to be. That's what we loved about Lil Jordan Humphrey. Now you have somebody like Taj, and Lil Jordan Humphrey could have been that guy, but basically he was just put on the field to block. Same thing with Krishan Hogan when they ended up bringing him in. But Tajay Sharp at six foot two and with ample experience in the slot and a proven slot receiver at this point over the three act years that he's been eligible and, and able to play. Uh, Tasha Sharp could be a really, really fascinating ad for this defense. And then you can still draft an outside wide receiver. You could still go and get a guy like Justin Jefferson, who just ran a 4-4-3 in yesterday's combine and looked fantastic. You can grab a Denzel Mims, who feels like the Miles Boykin of this year's draft that just blew testing out of the water out of nowhere. You could grab a Jalen Rager if he ends up being the guy that people 
people incorrectly let fall because they're scared of the fact that he didn't run a 4-2 or a 4-3. Like the guy is still incredible and plays massively, mass, like incredibly fast. And so it, you can still add that guy in in the draft. But if you're looking for a wide receiver that can come in and fill the other role, that third wide receiver role in the slot and get an actual slot receiver back in New Orleans, Tajay Sharp, the former now Tennessee Titan and unrestricted free agent. I, I cannot stress that enough because I was wrong about that. I thought he was restricted free agent, but he can sign wherever he likes. And I think the Saints could give him the money that he wants. It could give him an opportunity to really, really, really put something on tape that he hasn't had the opportunity to do since he was drafted in 2016 with the Tennessee Titans. All right, y'all, that is going to do it for today's episode. Enjoy the rest of the NFL Combine. Glad we were able to really talk through and grab, you know, these wide receivers to look at, these offensive players to look at, and some of these defensive players to look at as well. We're going to do a whole Combine recap on Monday with performances that you should know about. We're not going to invest a bunch on the 40-yard dash do not worry. That's not my style, but we are going to look at some of this athletic testing and see what it tells us, as well as some of these positional drills too, to see what we liked in some of these other guys that were performing uh, with a chance to have their name called in about a little more than two months time at this point. So or a little less than two months time at this point. So very, very exciting time. We'll get right back to it at the top of next week. Until then, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy the rest of the combine. Thank you so much, everybody, for coming through. Once again, I am Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. If you haven't already, take a moment, please, to subscribe. Drop that five-star rating and review. I thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints and Trust Suit That Nation. I'll holla at you.